Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Welcome. Welcome. It's good to see all of you this morning. Um, good morning to our online family as well. If I have not had a chance to meet you or if you are joining us online and we have not yet met, my name is Zeon. Um, I just want to welcome you to Crossroads and just thank you for coming to spend some time with us on a Saturday morning um, as we are going to be um, going into our workshop called Finishing Well. Um, so the reason why we're here today, the reason why you guys are here today is because we have probably, we're at that point where we've entered that stage of life where we've come to understand the importance of planning for our future, how we finish our time here on earth, um, how we finish this time spiritually, how we finish it in our relationships, how we finish it physically to the best of our abilities and financially. So regardless of where we are, whether we're an adult child with parents who are entering the season of life, or we are the parent or the grandparent who wants to plan to finish well, um, we just hope today is going to be an encouragement to all of us to be able to plan and to have that conversation, um, especially with our families, especially with our kids, and just to be able to have all that. Um, so as we begin, before we, before we continue to move on, um, I would just ask if we could just stop for a second and if you would join me in prayer, please. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that you have a plan first and foremost. You have a plan for each person sitting here, a plan that started long before any one of us were ever born, and that throughout our lives, you have directed our steps, you have helped us with our choices, you have walked with us throughout the good times and the bad, guiding, directing, making yourself known so that we could follow you and glorify you through how we live our lives, choosing you, um, so that we can give that message to the world. And even, Father, as we enter into our stage of life where maybe some of us feel like we're not making so much of a difference, that this is a rich, beautiful time of life where we can make an even bigger impact than we realize um, on our younger generation and for our friends around us. So thank you for that. Thank you for giving us the ability to do that, the wisdom through your word to be able to do that as well. So we pray that you bless our time today, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, okay, so we're here at our Finishing Well workshop, and I'm going to have to assume that most of us, if not all of us, have clearly had experiences with either a parent, a grandparent, or, or another family member um, who has either retired, uh, maybe we've had to look at long-term care needs, you know, medically or physically speaking, might not be able to um, care for them at home, um, maybe obviously even somebody who's recently passed on, and we find ourselves faced with a reality, um, the reality for the need for planning and decision-making, and, and many families have done this well. Um, they're already in the process, have done this, um, but also there's a lot of families maybe who haven't yet really been able to do this or taking uh, the time to look at resources and costs and possible decisions that need to be made, whether it's legal, medical, or financial. Um, my first experience with this was 22 years ago when my dad died. Um, he had been on dialysis for renal, renal failure for about five years, <clears throat> so when he died, um, I personally learned the challenge of making decisions and uncomfortable phone calls because honestly, and this is not any, trying to be negative in any way, but it was a reality check because our family had no plans for memorial services or anything regarding that. 
Um, nothing else had been made in advance. So, like I said, for me and for my family, this really was a wake-up call. It was especially a wake-up call for my husband and myself because, as many of you guys know, um, our daughter, Caitlin, who is special needs, um, who is now going to be 31 years old in a few short months, <laughs> which, huh, okay, <laughs> um, Katie is special needs. And, you know, sometimes for, uh, for my husband and I, earlier on, we did not understand a lot of the legalities involved with a special needs child. Um, come to find out, in our state, once a special needs person turns the age of 18, they are legally considered an adult with their own rights, which would have meant Perry and I could not have made any more decisions for her, medical or otherwise. She would have had to do that on her own, and she not, does not have the capacity to do that. So what we learned was we had to set up um, conservatorship so that we could continue being her parents, doing what we were already doing. So we had to do that. And then we also wanted to make sure that clearly had anything happened to he or I that she would be taken care of. So we had to do a living trust with a special needs trust built in and get all of that taken care of as well. So, But all of this started with the understanding of what we had experienced with our with my father. And and really just the, the realization that it's not always just as making our future plans isn't always as easy as just making our wishes known verbally. And so now for, for my husband and I, we're at personally at the age in life where not only myself, but many of our friends have parents and grandparents that are going through season of life changes. And so the subject is becoming more important. And as adult children um, with families who are in this process, we want to take care of our parents we want to honor their wishes and their choices. And we know as parents, we want to be able to leave our families with a legacy and with plans and the peace of knowing that all of things are taken care of. Um, we realize that planning for end of life isn't always fun or comfortable for most people. <laughs> Maybe some enjoy it. Um, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> there might be that strange person. Um, good, smart person. Um, but what, what I have learned is that there is no greater gift that we can give our families than to plan together um, what our wishes are, you know, down to the detail of where we would like to live if we can't live at home and what, what our plans will be, what to do with the car if we can't drive without any extra sets of keys. Um, so, <laughs> hidden somewhere in the house. <laughs> um, <laughs> And just being able to do this together as a family rather than having to make decisions in crisis mode. And so this is why we as a church want to offer this very important workshop, not only to our church family, but to our community. Um, this is why we're offering this online streaming because this is available on Facebook and YouTube. And so it will be in our YouTube channel for reference in the future. Um, but this is why we wanted to do this. We want to equip you. We want to equip our families with the resources needed to help through this process. And so in our time today, um, in the time that we've got together, we're going to learn about God's plan for this season of life, as well as the practical application of what this means. Um, we are pleased to say that we've got numerous representatives who are going to be coming in from different organizations um, who will be able to, they're going to give their presentations um, we are also going to be hearing, so we're going to be hearing from them. We're going to have a time of question and answer, uh, question period and answers. 
Um, and so they're going to be able to talk about things like insurance and living trusts and wills and long-term care and hospice and legal matters and all of that. You will notice each one of you has a, um, a workshop packet. Inside the packet is our workshop schedule, so you can kind of keep track of where we are. For our families online, um, we will, if you have not had a chance to come in and pick up a packet, they will be available at weekend services today here at the Connections Counter, uh, tonight and tomorrow, and or you can come pick one up during the week, during office hours. I think that's what I have, so we'll just have Mr. Bill come up, and he's going to get us started on how to finish well. Thanks, guys. Hey, it's good afternoon. It is good afternoon. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Dion Setup, my name is Bill. Most of you I know, and thank you for coming here. This is a, uh, a conference that we've done before. This conference, the first time we did it, it really triggered me into a lot of action and activity uh, that needed to take place in my life. Uh, Dion talked about her experiences. Uh, we recently did a, uh, a message in here called Finishing Well. And that is on our website. You can get it on YouTube. You can get it from multiple sources. I encourage that you do that because it's, uh, uh, it, it carried, covered a lot of information we won't be able to do here. But one of the quotes, if you will, from, from that message that we did is one that I think is just a uh, very famous guy made this quote up. You know this one. Uh, we only get one chance to make a good first impression. And then an old bald guy made up the idea that we only get one chance to make a good last impression. At, at the end of the run, at the end of our time, uh, we're leaving an impression. We're leaving an inheritance. We're leaving something behind us uh, for our kids. Uh, it's a, a, an inheritance, whether it's money, property, uh, that is received from someone who, the person who dies. That's an inheritance, and that's what we leave behind. I put another verse or added another verse up in there because I think it's uh, critical for end-of-life decisions. It, it tells us that, that God is not a God of confusion, but a God of peace. Now, I've done hundreds of memorial services. Dion's done memorial services. Marcy organizes and arranges them all for us. Uh, one thing that is certain when someone passes away is some degree of confusion. There's going to be hurt. There's going to be uh, stuff going on uh, during the process, last process, and also immediately thereafter. What do we do? No matter how well prepared we are, we are not going to think of everything. So this is, this is an effort, a desire, to do what we can do, to do the best we can do, to be prepared for ourselves, uh, for our kids, and uh, we, have, we have older uh, family members, parents, grandparents that are there. What can we do for them? And, and that's really what we're, we're going to be working on as we go through this. Uh, today is, uh, is not about us. It's about what we leave behind. So many people live on almost the last conversation. I don't know if you've had this experience, you've probably observed it from some distance, is when someone is in the last run in the hospital or at hospice and the situation is getting where they're saying there isn't long and you're on the phone, you're calling the family, they're rushing across, they're wishing to not step on a TV screen. 
They're, they're wishing for one more hour in some cases, but often just one more day for someone to get there so that they can have their last words with them. Uh, I know several stories where they were waiting for one particular member of their family to get there. That member gets there. They see them face to face. They get an opportunity to exchange love. And then in that peace, they pass away. They were waiting for that moment to be able to do that. I love there's a story in the Bible uh, where Jacob, with his 12 sons, he, he stands up and he gives them a, a, a blessing and a promise and a prophecy about him. And he does his last words to his family. And then the Bible says he pulls his feet up on his bed and he dies. He's finished. He was done. He made that happen. And that's really what we're talking about today, to be as prepared as we can be. Uh, to prepare our kids and ourselves and everyone while we can do things. It, while we can do things. Uh, Dion mentioned some stories and some that I think we all have some, but I remember in the hospital with my brother, uh, a lot of things happened. It was, uh, it was a confusing time. He's down south. And I was going back and forth to spend some time down there. Uh, we knew he was dying and he did not have, like, for example, there's financial things that he couldn't take care of, that he needed to take care of uh, as he was getting ready to die. So he wanted to give me a power of attorney to be able to do that. We draw up the papers. He's ready, but he's fading rapidly. We call in a, no, a notary, a, a, a mobile notary that will come in and notarize the documents uh, for someone. And she didn't get there in time. He was still alive. But he was not functional enough for her to be able to accept his signature. Now, he had left a packet at, in his house uh, for me with just some background and basic information that he had. But I had no authority or power to deal with any of it. Uh, that, that was all taken care of. I was able to help settle his debts and things like that as time went by. Uh, so just the preparation. Now, Obviously, on the opposite side of that, I've told this story before of my mother. Uh, she grabbed my, grabbed. My mother was a good-sized lady, but she didn't grab her boys and, and take them back into the bedroom by our ear. But she did take us back there directly and opened a drawer in the top of her dresser and says, it's right here, and pulls out an envelope and says, here's everything you need to know. Here's the burial instructions, da, 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 and all of the other things that needed to take place. Will, all of those things were there. So that's the, the organization that's there. Uh, so no confusion. So we're going to talk today about having the talk. The very difficult talk of uh, talking to a, a parent, a grandparent, who we're going to be involved with. Uh, as, as they pass away, as they get older, what decisions have to be made? And we're going to be also talking about, I think, even a more difficult conversation is with our kids. Not because we don't want to have the conversation, but in many cases, we don't have the relationship with them that will allow us to have that communication. Or we have strained the relationship such that the relationship isn't mature enough for us to have it with them. We, we talked about this uh, as when we went through the seminar. 
you know, we have to stop and think about this. Uh, we don't know when we're going to pass away. I don't know. Uh, I don't know the situation of my kids. They don't know when I'm going to pass away. And quite honestly, I don't know when they're going to pass away. My kids, uh, I don't know how this happened. Uh, they're well into their 50s. I can't mention ages because I have daughters, and they, would, they never watched my messages. They'd watch that one if I ratted them out, and I'd hear about it. So uh, that, that ability to do it, we don't know the end of our days. That's the verse, uh, Lord, make me know my end. Uh, that the measure of my days, let me know how fleeting life is. Uh, and so we're going to talk about the talk. Why don't we have that talk? And we'll go through a, a couple of reasons why we don't do that. Because uh, there's a lot of talks as parents that I'd like to go back and have again. I was, I was not ready and prepared to have the birds and bees talk when the kids were, were growing up. I had a talk with them. It, it resulted in something like, don't. It was, or I'll kill you. No, little, it was a loving interaction. But we, 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 more, we focused on that. We got them to church. We talked about those basics. We didn't have the talk with them. Uh, seriously didn't. Uh, and one of the other things that I'm striving to have uh, as I age is the other talk. Not the sex talk, the relationship with Jesus Christ talk. One of the things that I, as I leave three children and uh, eight grandchildren behind, where are they with Christ? What is their relationship with him? This is, this is tender territory to walk into with your kids. Not so much that I'm making an assumption and we'll talk about it as we go, but we know. What is right, we know what is wrong, we know what the Lord requires of us. But to our kids, we live in a, a culture, and I say this probably too much, where there's a false Christianity, a false sense of uh, okayness spiritually that permeates our culture. It's, uh, it, it's, it, for me, as I look at my kids and grandkids, it's the most stressing thing that I look at, see, evaluate continuously. To, to look for sparks of spiritual life uh, or a fully dedicated follower or someone who's resistant with their arms out. We've got, we've got all. Uh, we've got the whole spectrum inside of our family now. So the, the importance of having that talk with them and their personal relationship with them, uh, that's critical. Now, very important. Uh, most people, when they're in the home, is the time to build that relationship so you can have the talk. So uh, encourage uh, those of you that still have willing ears at home, that you feed them, you give them a place that they have to listen to you. Uh, ensure that you have that talk with them. Uh, okay, the, the next talk that people don't prepare for is the one we're talking about today. Preparing for that last conversation uh, that we have. Why, and again, this is critical, but why don't we do it? And I'm, I'm going to talk about a couple of them. Uh, one of them is just immaturity. And quite honestly, often that immaturity is on our side, the, the adult in the room. We don't want to talk about it. 
It's, it's, un, it's uncomfortable for us. It's uncomfortable for them. So we take a step back and we don't have the maturity to have the conversation. Same reason, by the way, we don't have that sex talk or the other talks as we grow up is just our own personal immaturity. And we said this during the thing, we have not developed our children to the point they're mature enough. We have adult children. We have children that are, are old age-wise, but they don't have the social relational maturity to have an adult-adult talk. Uh, one of the things that I would encourage, or at least this principle that we're going to put up is a, is a slide that we put up at the, uh, at the finishing well. We talked about three different relationships. We want to get to a place where we're not talking, if you take the arrow to parent to child, we're not talking down to them. Or if we're the child and we're uh, talking to our parents about end of life, don't come as a, with a parent voice and start telling you what they're supposed to do. Uh, that doesn't work. And for sure, uh, what, we, what we want is an adult-to-adult conversation, which is going to take some things on our part. First off, a relationship with them that's stable. The ability to, to be able to talk to them as an adult is something that, that we need to prepare ourselves for and for them at the same time. To be able to, to explain, to talk, to have the relationship uh, that allows that, approaching the end. And again, remember, they're uncomfortable. I've got some of my kids that just won't talk about it. I've got one that goes, and not in a rude way, but they just don't want to hear it. It's, it's, it's this. They'll, they'll almost do this in my face. Uh, or not now, Dad. Uh, those kind of things. Uh, so to be able to develop this kind of a conversation uh, is excellent. Some things that we talked about, and I, we'll get to the practical matters in just a minute. But some of the things is that uh, continue to show Christ to each of them. Uh, walk with them. Help them. You know, one of the things one of my, uh, I recommend that I've used successfully is the book The Radical Cross for your kids. Give them the book The Radical Cross. Have them talk about their relationship in Christ. You understand it. And then talk about that the radical cross, Christianity is this radical conversion that we have. It's not, a, it's not a momentary decision. We raise our hand in the back of the church when we're 15 years old and we're good for the next 70 years. It's an ongoing living relationship. So, so make sure that we have that talk. I had a, my son uh, took the time to engage one of his children when they were having questions about God. And so he assigned homework uh, to his child, said, okay, hey, uh, he was actually not a child, he was going into late teens, but here's the book, uh, Reasons for God by Timothy Keller. Let's go through it chapter by chapter, you know, while we're together. And they took the time to go through Reasons for God, chapter for chapter, here's the evidence for it. Now, that, that relationship is still ongoing. Uh, that particular grandson has not made that commitment. He made a commitment when young, but he has the information. He's still on the search mode. Uh, but uh, the right thing was done. He had the information. We continue to do it uh, all the way to the end. Uh, again, and for us, 
torn between uh, heaven and earth. We looked there, but we're not, as long as we're here, we're not done. If we're breathing, we got stuff to do, and, it, and that applies directly to our families uh, inside of our lives. Uh, what, what do we do? The real relationship, most important with them, is the biblical injunctions that make a biblical Christian. This, have you, do we love God? Have we been crucified with Christ? It's no longer I who live. These, these basic biblical verses, verses which divide biblical Christianity with cultural Christianity or almost secular Christianity where we make it up as we go and define our own God. So uh, those are the verses that I would encourage you to do uh, because ultimately, ultimately, I, I can't say this strong enough, and I think I speak for everyone here. The most important thing is for us to spend eternity with our kids. Uh, we've had good times down here. Good. We, we've done those kind of things here. But have we been crucified with Christ so that we can, and have they been, so we will see them in heaven? I, we have a, I put up at the finishing well a picture of my family uh, a number of years ago. And I can go from face to face to face, even though they've grown up from that picture. Uh, boy, have they. But well, they're really getting old. I can't believe I haven't. But I look at each and every one of them and just say, I want him in heaven. I want her in heaven. What can I do? What part can I play in that? This is, this is not make-believe. There is a real heaven. There is a real hell. We are all going to die. We're going to step from this world into another one. We're going to face Christ, and we're either going to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, or we're going to hear, depart from me. And that's what our kids are going to face. And I just, I, I can't even imagine. I know there's no tears in heaven. I can't explain this to me, to anyone or to myself, really. Uh, <laughs> is what would be the knowledge of seeing them turned away at heaven? Not turned away in a negative sense. They make the decisions like we make the decisions. So again, I can't, the importance of that relationship, it'll come up again in a while. Uh, but for us, demonstrate our relationship to the end. Leave certainty. Leave no doubt that we are following Christ with all of our heart, mind, soul, strength, that we're loving him with all we've got. When our kids think of us, they don't have any doubt. Uh, the, the experience that, that Dion, myself, and Marcy have at memorial services is sometimes almost the people struggling to put forth information that can give hope that whoever the deceased is is in heaven. They're stretching Oh, they, you know, in some cases, the best they can come up with is they believed in God. Other times they'll say they were a good person. Uh, the, all of these removal of just general ideas, uh, and they were worse yet in, in 2022. One of the expressions is they were spiritual. Well, we're all spiritual. We had God's spirit or the devil's spirit, so we're all spiritual. What, what, what does that mean? Uh, the verses, love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. When we live, 
so that they have no doubt where we're going. This is one of the things I encourage. We don't retire spiritually. We, we work until we die. The expression is die first, then retire spiritually. We, we work right till the end. I, this love God with all we've got, well done, or Lord, Lord, didn't we do all this? And he says, depart from me. Because there's the deception of 2022. I won't hound that, but just a, a side note, and I was going to bring it up here. Uh, hon, would you hold that thing up? That know the black thing? Yeah, swing it around the room. Be, be, what was that lady's name? Oh, the price is right. It would swing it around. Uh, <laughs> what was her name? Come on. Who? Vanna White. Yeah, you guys are old enough to know. Thank, thank you, Vanna. I appreciate that. <laughs> Our next series that starts this week, actually, is telling other people about Jesus Christ. It's, it's, it's how we can talk to people and what's important to bring across, how to have the relationship, how to have the conversation. This is how we can have the talk with our kids. If you're, if you're unsure, if you haven't had the talk, you really have a couple choices. One, you can study up and go talk to them. Or you can bring them. That's cheating, but we accept cheating as long as it, as long as it exposes them to the information that's there. If you, if, and again, this goes back to your parents, this goes back to your aunts, your uncles, your grandparents, the things that you, people you really care about. These are conversations, and this, I, I encourage you to look at the material, fill that out, and be ready to respond. Leave certainty about ourselves, then also about them. And uh, one of the things that, that Marcy, bless Marcy's heart, uh, she put in your, your uh, folder is planning your memorial service. Man, that's grim. <laughs> and uh, as you do that, though, I, I talked about this before. You pull that out and start going through it. Start thinking about the information. And now, better yet, let me stop, not start there. Let's start here. Think about your kids reading that after you're gone. Or preparing while you're in hospice or something like that. There's no uncertainty as to wishes and your desires and who you are. You, you fill this out. It's good information uh, for you, as, as, as for your kids as they write obituaries, or you if it's for your parents. Uh, it, you know, have your parents. If, if you have an elderly, a senior uh, that, that you're concerned about, that, that you're here to find out about it, have them talk to them about this. What do you want? Where do you want it? Where do you want us to have it? What do you want involved? Are there any songs that you want? And, and each one of these things, you know, you, you can pick up extra copies. Uh, you know, have one for yourself. Have one for your mate. Have one uh, for any, if you've got a, a someone, uh, end-of-life issues that are coming at them. Fill it out. Because, again, what are we doing? We're adding certainty and removing confusion as to what we want. Uh, Typical memorial services is around an hour to hour and 15, depending on testimonies. Who wants to talk? That's something else you put in there. Who do you want to have talk for you? <laughs> Maybe more importantly, who don't you want? <laughs> Never mind. Uh, we'll let that one go. Uh, <laughs> but but these, are, these are things that you think about and, and you consider in advance. Uh, you, know, go to, you know, this is 
general background information that can obviously be there. Uh, we'll go through each and every one of them. Uh, how you met your spouse. And one of the stories that, uh, how did you come to know Christ? I'm going to talk about this several times. Uh, in the evangelism series, we find out that the most important and the most potent tool we have to tell other people about Jesus Christ is our personal experience. What was it that, that brought us from the kingdom of darkness, controlled by this world and evil forces, to the kingdom of God where Jesus Christ rules and reigns? What, what took place? What's the story? Most of you have been to Crossroads. You've heard 33 years. At 33 years old, I found truth. And it changed everything. That's my story. And I, I tell it, and I would want it told that a dumb Marine found a, a bit of truth, and he hunted it down like a dog for the rest of his life, however many years there were. That's my story. R write yours. Doesn't have to be elaborate. Doesn't have to be in detail. But it's, but it's something that's a living legacy that you pass on to kids, grandkids, and those who are behind you. Uh, some awards, what, what, what did you do well? And also in this, I encourage you to do failure recovery. Failure, when you did something, the recovery out of that, and, and how you did that, what it took, what was perseverance, what those kind of things, how other people helped, how God helped, and, and also to be able to, uh, to interact with, with the kids, their parts. Favorite Bible verses, Christian songs, videos, uh, all the other things that are there, awards, date of service. Uh, we'll talk about this in a minute. If you're a service member, what do you want acknowledged at your memorial? There's, there's a wrath, a, a big, long list of choices. Uh, just take the time, and, and it doesn't have to be detailed, and you can kind of do it as a, as a fun interaction with you and your mate, maybe writing each of yours at the same time or with a friend, or even with the kids. Whoever... Uh, you might want to have involved in that conversation if they're, if they're mature enough to be able to do it. So encourage you to do that. Now, the other paper in there is, is the big long Marofa, is the uh, personal planning. All this is just incredible and, and great information for you as you do it. And, and I'm going to kind of talk about some of... Uh, my prep uh, that I've done. Uh, coming to the end of my life, I want to, as I, this thing we talked about in the finishing well message, radical love and service to other. I want to be serving, and this is part of serving. Radical forgiveness. Who do you know now that you are not relationally at peace with or has an issue against you? Make it right. I... I don't know if you've had the experience, most people I think have, where uh, someone has passed away and there's a pain in the other person because that was never made right. And it, and it goes both ways. It doesn't make any difference. But as a Christ follower, strive to make it at peace. I know people that I was not at peace with and they died. And I didn't, I didn't have the time, the energy, or the opportunity 
to make that right. This is before Christ and after Christ. Uh, those relationships were there. I, sadly, I remember the, when my father was dying. I didn't know Christ. My brother didn't know Christ. Uh, he was in the hospital. My mother had been faithfully serving him until the end. Uh, but it was obviously the, really close to the end. And she comes out of the room and, uh, with him and, and tells Jim, my brother, and I, go in and, and be with your dad. So we went in there and uh, we stood there for a while and looked at my dad. Uh, we looked at each other and there was, there, there was no relationship. I mean, it had been hurtful and painful and uh, he had been gone most of the time in the Navy. Uh, we just looked at each other and we left the room. Don't, don't leave that. I, I don't know what I could have done at that point. I didn't have Christ. I didn't know Christ. I, I couldn't have passed on to anything. But I could have said, thanks, Dad. For being my dad, for raising me, for putting up with my jerkiness. Uh, all of those things. We could have said that. So this, not, not to dwell, but that's, that's a huge deal. Don't leave regrets. If there's a rift in the family, do everything you can to bring that about. This radical forgiveness, live in harmony with everyone that's there, uh, granting forgiveness to everyone who's in, around us, and continue to grow in Christ to the last minute. I love the, the two stories. Uh, uh, a man in town here, well-known Christian educator, uh, his, his wife found him, walked in, and uh, he was in his recliner chair uh, where his, 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 I have one too. I hope you have a little, I have a little throne in my house where I sit and, and it's where all my books are around me and I read the Bible and everything else. And so his wife goes in and finds him with his Bible open, passed away in perfect sleep. Just rest with the Bible open. What a story. What a, they told that at the memorial. What a, what a tribute that. Uh, another friend of mine uh, talks about her husband who was very ill and they were uh, waiting for the ambulance to come to pick him up uh, to take him to the hospital. And so they, Christians, they make this decision at the last moment, not the last moment, but as they're waiting, let's pray. And so they pray, she prays, uh, she's more verbal than he is or was. And so uh, he prays the, the final prayer. In, in Jesus Christ's name, amen. Boom. He leaves. Can you imagine what kind of comfort that brings her to tell that story all over town? She captured us in the middle of thrifties and told us the story. What a certainty that she has and what a testimony to the community. This, this is the, these are last things that we leave behind. You know, look at each of the things that are there and, and, and forgive one another as we do that. Uh, repent and grow all the way to the end. The last uh, thing is tell everyone that you can. We're going to come to this in just a minute. Uh, prepare in advance. Because we don't know when. I, I want to emphasize that. I I made a mistake probably 15 years ago 
My wife and I were leaving immediately after the service to go to uh, Newport Beach for some days. I'd packed my mountain bike. I was ready to go. I made the foolish, one of the most foolish statements I've ever made in my life as we started this series, 30 Days to Live, not knowing how long you have. I said, well, I'm going to Newport, and I got my bike, and I'm going to ride tomorrow, and it's going to be way cool, but I don't know how long I've got. The next day, I crashed, <laughs> went down hard way back in the mountains, broke my pelvis, and uh, could barely get out of the mountains. I am never going to say anything that stupid again <laughs> to, to open that, but it was, you don't know. That could have been it, you know. Uh, Be prepared for each of these. Prepare in advance. There's that prepare in advance handout. And I'm going to uh, talk about just a couple of things. Now, what I did today was I'm going to let you into my private world. I, uh, you can see I'm not an administrative monster. This is, this is I went down to the basement. I've got, years ago, uh, Ronnie and I bought a fireproof box. Uh, that was supposed to be a safe. Uh, so we put all of our last, you know, documents into it and then uh, locked it up and then lost the key. <laughs> Being a construction guy, I have a very big pry bar. So I was able to pry it open and uh, it will not be locked again. But it's there. And I've taken my kids to the basement and I, I, I invite them in and I say, there it is. There's the box. Anything happens to us, that's where you go. And I'm reminiscent of my mother that opened that uh, thing and handed us an envelope or pointed out an envelope. So uh, the first thing that it, it comes to is something I've shared before. And, and a lot of this, by the way, has really been good for me to remind myself. The first thing that when they open that box up, they're, they're going to see this stack of, impressive stack of paper and uh, on the top of it, it's a letter. And it says, Dear Brandy, Sherry, and Liam. Those are my kids. <clears throat> Not knowing the details of our death, it is our prayer that you will know how much we love and respect you. You have been the joy of our lives. Above all, please know our hearts for you, your mates and your kids. Remember the good that we've done. Thank God for that. Please forgive the many times we fell short. <clears throat> Do not grieve as those who have no hope. Um, you, we will see you again. Tell it to the kids. We love them. And it goes on and on and on in that. It ends at the... Uh, uh, gets better at the end. My request is that you have a service and you, you play Amazing Grace at that. We, we've been planning my memorial services. Uh, people are fighting over the opportunity to not do it. Uh, <laughs> but, but it's there. Oh, mine is just, I want Amazing Grace. I want people to know that I love God and tell them. But Ronnie's request is that you start 10 minutes late. <laughs> so she'll be there. <laughs> I got an amen. Did I hear an amen back there? Yeah, I hear that. Okay. Uh, that was good. And I said the financial details and all that are in the trust. Uh, use what you want. 
Give away what you don't want. Enjoy it all. In death as in life, we love you. Mom and Papa. And there's a, also we'd put some, we always feel it's wise to keep some cash in the house. So we had a little bag of cash and it's in there. And we tell them, go spend the money and enjoy it. And so that's there. Do, do what you want. So I encourage you to, to create such a letter to, to put there first. Now, uh, we, we did our living trust, I believe it was 15, 16 years ago. And uh, in 2018, we recognized that we had had a lot of changes inside of our lives and, and things were changing. So we went to, uh, back to Bakersfield and got a hold of Mr. Shaw who had come to Ridgecrest actually and, and written up the Living Trust for us and uh, some, for some other people that are here. So we went and this is the, with new information on the current assets we have, uh, just everything that's there. So we have the updated uh, Living Trust that's there, encourage that, and, and definitely, if you, if you don't put a living trust in, please, a will. And signed and notarized everything, because there's stuff that happens at the end that if you don't have the certainty that's there, there can be a relative that you haven't known for 22 years or never even knew can, can come in and start stirring up trouble at the end if there's any question as to where your resources and assets go. That's an ugly fact. When... In these situations, there's, we, I was talking to someone recently about ambulance chasers that, that, that want to get in on the end action and they stir up family members, they get lawyers and they lawyer up and come in. Don't give them the opportunity. So anyway, a letter to them, uh, a stack of insurance. We, we really don't have a lot of insurance, but what we have, we wanted them to know because we, uh, we put that in place a number of years ago not that in, uh, relative to us now, our financial situation. Directions for the trustee. Who is the trustee? Who is the person? Uh, it, it lays out all the basics of who's in charge of what. Uh, we've, we took the time to make sure our kids are on all of our bank accounts. Make sure they're on your bank accounts or that money is going to be frozen for a long period of time. They don't have to be active, but they've got to be able to have access to the number of accounts that you have so that they'll be able to disperse funds that you have at that time. So uh, encourage you to do that. These are just nitty gritty details, uh, declarations, dur durable power of attorney that's given to the kids uh, immediately so that they're able to transact for you uh, as you go. Uh, we're, I'm just going through these things and uh, don't want to do them all. Uh, the envelope paid uh, burial services and the desires. We'll have someone here from Hollins and Lions in a while that'll be talking about. We went and Ronnie and I went over there and sat and talked and, and what do you want and uh, what are your desires? Cremation or, or not? Direct burial? What Those kind of things. Just take care. And, and you can pay or you can, you don't have to pay. You can just make your wishes known. But I encourage you, if you can, pay. It's just one more financial burden uh, that you can, you can take off your kids at that time. So uh, do that. Uh, another one that I have stuck in there is my DD-214, your military service. If One of the questions that will be asked is if you're a veteran, do you want military honors? Do you, do you want 
the, the military to be present to present a flag? Uh, to do you want that or do you not want that? Do you want them at the graveside? What recognition do you want? And it's always important, by the way, to, if you had awards and things like that, to make note of those things, both, both military and civilian. Uh, we have our birth certificates, all our car titles, so they know where those are. Again, just, there's just so much minutia and paperwork in here, uh, that, but it lays out absolutely everything you have. One of the things that we talked about, and I encourage you, one of the painful decisions that you have to make is your, your desire for end of life and uh, continuing life support systems. Do you want to be you know, maintained over life? I, I, I can't tell you the number of times we've been in a room where that decision is put in front of people, uh, pulling, removing life support. The DRE that will be in a living trust, if you don't have one, the hospital will provide one, your doctors will provide one when you go in and they'll af often ask, do you have this? If you're going into surgery or, or anything like that, it should be part of your medical records. The family should have a copy of it because you don't know what hospital you're going to be in. It, it should be transportable. Just make sure that everyone knows because they can't do anything without that. They're, they're bound by law to continue to prolong life unless you tell them there's a limit to that. Uh, that's a decision that all of you make. One of the things, and I, I said this in the service and uh, before, pulling, and again, if you're in that situation where you've got seniors ahead of you, removing life support does not mean they're going to die. It means you're not going to sustain it God will sustain it if he wants him to. I tell the story every time, and most of you have heard it. Uh, we, we prayed through my mother-in-law. She was in there. We removed life support. She lived 10 more years. Yeah. The power and life and death are in Christ, not us. He rules. God rules over all. He knows when we were created in that moment, and he knows the moment we're going to die. But for your family's sake... Let them know what your wishes are at that time. Uh, each you know, advanced directives, all of those things, have them in place as you do that. Uh, we have ours in there and put away. Um, other things, and I want to go back to, but, but again, all of these things, you've got a really good list in your handout there of things that need to be taken care of. Uh, for me, what this has triggered for me getting ready for the last couple of weeks and this message we just did. Uh, two weeks ago, I sent two letters to grandsons because they're at pivotal points in their life. Uh, so I reaffirmed my relationship with them. I, the, the two that I probably have the most relationship with, uh, grandkids. And so to be able to encourage them uh, in Christ, in their career, and affirming, Ronnie and I affirmed our love for him and our support for him and, and anything we couldn't do. But it's a letter that, that gives our heart for him and our desires. Uh, this week, there's two more letters that I want to write uh, to two other grandsons that are at pivotal points inside of their life. And 
uh, my prayer and my hope is that uh, knowing some of the spiritual struggles that they're having and some victories, but maybe you always see things. We live in a world of deception. One of them is, has made a recommitment to Christ but has been drawn away by some of the philosophies of this world. And so I'm writing to him and giving him a book uh, specifically focused on his area of interest and in, in actual spiritual confusion at this time. And the other one, uh, I'll also be sending a book to him uh, just encourage him to reevaluate the direction that he's going uh, and reaffirm love and, and support and all of those things too. So that's, that's some of the uh, things that, I've, that I'm attempting to do uh, as I go forward uh, to do that. Tell our loved ones. The preparation checklist, uh, each one of those things are, are powerful tools to be able to use as we go. Uh, again, let everyone know where it is. Please, let everyone know where those, those documents are that are going to be first involved. Uh, a, a great way to prepare is to just talk to them. Engage them personally. Uh, I don't... We have a, a spread out family. We have one in Virginia, one in Oklahoma, and one in uh, Riverside. Uh, would we get them in the room? We just had two of them visit us. They, they come to check and see how we're doing uh, on us. So we've had the conversation with two of them recently, and the third one's in Oklahoma. Haven't had that. Hope to. Uh, encourage you to do that, to, to figure time, set it aside. When can we talk? You know, those are, uh, those are just some of the things I'm, I am preparing my own memorial just to take the pressure off everybody. I'm a control freak, and I want to know exactly everything that's said. Uh, not totally, really, but yeah, partially. Uh, that's what I'm doing now. I want to stop for a while. We're going to ask if there's any questions now uh, that apply to anything that I said. There'll be people coming in that, in a while after our break. Do you have any questions? Yes. A again, a will is, is a very direct document, not detailed, but it can be as detailed as you want it to be. It can cover the different things that are there, but a, uh, a will can be a casual thing that you just write out and sign and date. Uh, it can, it's, it's more informal. A living trust is that all of our property has been taken out of our name. It's been put into a trust where our kids are co-signers on it. So they have immediate access. They're all of our property, cars, everything else. I think Ronnie tried to put me in the trust. The, uh, <laughs> so it's, ownership is transferred to them. It's there. It's theirs. So the living trust is something that's an ongoing living document that, that covers all aspects of the end. The will, unless you're in, you get a lawyer to write it up, then you're going to almost get a living trust. But it doesn't transfer property to the trust. It keeps it from going, and again, everyone... Don't let your property go into probate. Don't. The, the, the only one that helps that helps is the lawyers who get to fight it out over the next 10 years. So, um, not that wills aren't a good thing. They're a start. If you don't have one, write one, but work toward a living trust. Yeah. Uh, 
I think you mostly heard the question about retired military. One of the things that's a resource that most people, uh, that I'm just going to do a little bit of bragging here, uh, is obviously the church will help where we can. Deborah uh, from Hollins and Lions is an expert. She knows absolutely everyone to contact, who on base, what office on the base. Uh, Marcy's got some expertise in that area, but Deborah handles it all the time. We just had a situation where just recently we went in and she said, I'll, I'll contact them, I'll do this, I'll do, you know. She, she walks you right down the checklist. She will, she will get that done. There is an office on the base, uh, HR out there, that also has a special desk. That's who she calls. You might want to just touch base with them. Okay. So my question was, um, I thought I heard you say that all the children should be involved in the assets or whatever, but I always was under the impression that you named one person, maybe the oldest, to di distribute, to distribute the, the stuff. The, yeah, they'll have an executor over all yeah. of them, yeah. uh, but in that, if that one is unable to perform, I don't, and anyone else can jump in with that, it's, you, you, you point the one person, uh, we put our oldest daughter in charge, She's kind of a DI, you'll understand that. Uh, but they all are listed on there as part of it in, in order that they would be the ones that are directed to do it. And it definitely, in a will situation, if it's a will and not a living trust, you definitely want to talk about who the, who's going to be executing it as the executor of that will. So I guess they all could have a say in that at some point. They all, they all, yeah, yeah, but again, Again, I, it, this gets into incredible detail, yes, uh, but they have to know who's in charge. You, you give them the point person, because what you, someone's got to have the final word. I, I won't even ask for a show of hands, but I would be just shocked if we all haven't been involved in a situation where after a death, the, the brothers, the sisters, the aunts, the uncles are fighting over resources and assets. Uh, so appoint someone. Hi. Okay. Is there a difference between trust and a living trust? Good question. I don't know. Is there anyone? Ah, Gary. Gary, by the way, will be speaking later about trust and living trust. Okay, so a living trust, um, there is a difference between, there's all kinds of different trusts. There's chair, chair remainder trust, there's uh, revocable trust. Revocable trust means you, you uh, start the trust up and you can't change it. It's there, you lose all control. A living trust is where most people do. It avoids, helps you avoid probate. Um, it gives you clarity of where you want things to go. You assign a trustee that uh, you trust. Uh, who will do everything you ask you to do. It includes a will, typically uh, power attorneys for finances, power attorneys for your health. Um, that's what most people do. But um, there's tons of trusts. I just named like three, but there's much more than that. So the main difference is revocable, and then like a living trust, which is revocable, you can change it at any time, yeah. as long as you are mentally capable. Yeah. Again, that's the question. It, no, I, we just re, we updated ours at 2018. Bill, it, I was told by the lady at the bank that what I have, after the decease, my brother-in-law and Linda, that, that it wasn't a living trust anymore. Okay. At, but it looks all legal to me, and it's all signed and notarized, so I was gonna ask that gentleman if. 
Okay, that might be a question to ask him that does it. But one of the things is, again, he's going to tell you he's not a lawyer. Yeah. Uh, okay. I, I, I'm aware enough of the situation to know that you're not suffering any financial loss from them not no, accepting no. it as that. Right. So I would not lawyer up at this okay. point. So I don't have to worry about it. I would not worry about okay. it. Yes, this is not so much a question as just to uh, in, give some information out. Uh, if someone has Medi-Cal, uh, there are rules, and I recently got a, uh, a cremation policy with Deborah helped me with, and uh, by making it irrevocable, it does not become an asset, which is a problem. Your assets are a problem to qualify for Medi-Cal. Okay. So anybody that's on medical, there are different things that you need to watch out for right. as far as assets. And I am even concerned, and this is a question, if I put my sister on my bank account, uh, will it affect my qualification? Or if she has to go on Medi-Cal, her qualifications will yep. be counted as her asset, which yep. might disqualify her from yep. the services. Yeah, I, good statement. And by the way, th this is a very tricky area that what is allowed to get Medi-Cal because many people are counting on Medi-Cal to support them in long-term care. So we need to know how much money we can have in our uh, account at that time. Marcy. Hi. So a lot of you know me, and um, I'm the memorial coordinator here, so I've seen a lot of stuff. So I just have a couple of things. If you have a safe and you have important documents in it, Share the combination with your spouse or a child. We had to help somebody actually cut into the, to a safe to get into it when the spouse had died, and the, the surviving one didn't know how to get in that safe and needed the papers in there. Yeah. Also, um, if you're you know a, um, a married couple, a lot of times one person pays the bills. Both of you need to know what bills you have and where to find them and everything about your finances. Even if you don't do them every month, you need to know what's there and what kind of things, if your spouse just all of a sudden you know, passes, you need to know how to take care of stuff and what you're responsible for. You know, what is there and, and what needs to be done and where are your important papers and those, so those, um, some of those forms that are in there um, now, my, my spouse passed many, many years ago, but both of my daughters know where all my stuff is and how to get to it. I've also left um, information about my passwords to get into different accounts like online and, and Facebook so that they can go in there and, you know, get rid of my Facebook account. You know, just things like that to think about that um, if you're gone, what's going to be left there for people to take care of? And they've got to be able to get into those accounts and know where that information is. Yeah, that's great, the, the passwords particularly. And yeah. You can store them with me. No, just um, kidding. I'm on another note with Medi-Cal, um, if somebody is on SSI and receiving SSI, I think most people know that oftentimes you can't, have, you can't exceed $2,000 in your bank account. So if you have a family member who wants to leave a person on SSI a large chunk of money, I make sure it's large enough to live on for the rest of their lives because that will then revoke their SSI. So just like for my daughter, um, since Katie does, we had to think about that for any of our retirement funds. Um, obviously, Evan, Evan's, Evan will get it all. <laughs> Let's hope he shares with her. <laughs> but, I mean, so that's something to think about, too, if we have somebody that we want to leave money to. Ms. Mary, you had a 
One more thing. Uh, I understand, and I don't know if this is still true because I learned this quite a while back, that um, when the bank uh, is advised that your spouse ha is deceased, they lock up your safety deposit box. You, the spouse, the, the living spouse cannot get into it until the IRS comes and checks it out uh, for valuables, et cetera. So uh, uh, the bank is another situation where you need to know what happens when, if you've got more than one person on the account. Uh, uh, no, I, I think we just had a situation, if I'm correct, where someone was able to get into the safe deposit box with both keys. That, that was the secret that unlocked it, both keys. If you are on Medi-Cal, not SSI, are you allowed to leave your home to a family member that's going to pick up the pieces, be the executor? We are going to have somebody who will be able to answer those kinds of questions um, as a speaker towards the end. So like I said, if, if we can't answer them, hang on to them, and we will get to them later. Okay. Um, so we're a little bit early, but that's okay. So we'll go ahead and take our snack and potty break now.